over these years, but I am just so proud that the foundation of all that I have been able to do in the name of Jesus Christ is because I am a baptized child of God. I am so grateful. So this morning, I greet you in the name of my Savior, my Lord, Jesus Christ. And this morning, I greet you on behalf of our bishop, Bishop Tracy Smith Malone. It is a privilege to serve as one of her superintendents in this conference. There are 10 of us, and I get to serve on this beautiful Tuscaroras district of the United Methodist Church in East Ohio. This morning, in our celebration of this baptism of Evelyn and Nick, we attested to the power of the love of God that is shown through the simple gift of water. We promised, you remember promising this? We promised to nurture one another in that witness. In this baptismal ceremony, in this sacrament, we pledged to live by the example of Jesus Christ. We rejected the power of sin in our lives in the name of Jesus. Did you know that in the last 10 minutes we did all that? We vowed to include all of God's children in our care. So my question to you, church, is can we do these things? Will we do these things? Evelyn and Nick, as all of us, will have days and they will have seasons of minor crisis. They will have days and they will have seasons of major irritation or trouble in their lives. And Nick, he will likely attempt to push through some of those difficult barriers in his life. Evelyn, she will use every tool in her toolbox to try to fix those difficult encounters. Maybe they will even try to finagle their way out of those tough situations. And they may come to the conclusion when they reach those barriers in this life, those things that we might call sin, those things that might separate us from the love of God and separate us from one another, when they encounter those things, they may come to the conclusion that they just can't do it. That they just can't make it right. That they just can't be forgiven, or even ask for forgiveness, that they just can't attend to their own hurt or to someone else's hurt. The normal day-to-day -day stuff may overtake them and become seemingly impossible let alone the promises made on his behalf at the baptism, on their behalf at their baptism. I mean, will they really be able to renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness? Will they really be able to resist injustice and oppression? 
Will Evelyn and Nick be able to confess Jesus Christ as their Savior, putting their whole trust in Jesus' grace? Putting their whole trust in Jesus' grace. Will they be able to do it? The baptismal liturgy asks us, can we, can we do those things? Will we do those things? It wasn't too long ago that I found myself in a season of multi-layered crisis. I was in a time of loss and deep grief of frustration and tiredness and guilt and anger and insecurity and exhaustion. I couldn't sleep. Have you ever been so exhausted that you couldn't even sleep? I tried, and in that half-waking state, all that I just named, the guilt and the exhaustion and the anger, it fell on me with even greater weight. And so in the middle of the night, in the midst of this swirling time of chaos in my life, I heard this word, Kara, get up. I thought, God, is that you? <laughs> or is that just some other heavy-handed thing that is taunting me in the middle of the night? God certainly wouldn't be coming and speaking to me in this dark place that I'm in. Isn't it wild that in seasons of chaos like that, we tell ourselves things that we would never tell to another who's in a time of trouble like that? Yes, in fact, God in Jesus does reach down into our utter darkness and separation and brings us up out of the grave of our own deception. Yes. And so God said to me on that dark, dark night, Kara, get up. And I said, okay, but that better be you, God. Otherwise, I'm in more trouble than I thought I was in. And now that I'm up, God, what am I supposed to do? God said to me, Kara, paint. There's an old, dried-up, primary school-type tin of watercolor discs in the basement in the boys' old collection of art supplies. Get yourself a glass of water to drink and get yourself a glass full to wet the brush and paint, God said to me. Oh, I found those paints, and I said, God, these paints are a mess. The brush is all matted, and the bristles have split ends. How about I just, you know, scroll through some junk on my phone? I don't know how to paint, God. And this is what God said to me. Kara, let the water do the work. Let the water do the work. I have found that in painting, the tools are so simple. It's just pigment and water and paper and brush. 
that there's a certain kind of timing that I need to follow in my painting. If I hurry and try to make the end result at the beginning, things get all messed up. And I have to wait to let things dry. I find that when I paint, if I put a pressure on that is softer, it elicits a different result. If I push harder with my brush, it elicits a different result. This is what I began to notice as I was painting. That the water does do the work. It was really hard for me at first, and it still is, if I'm honest, to let the water do the work. Who here is a perfectionist or a recovering perfectionist? When you are painting with watercolors, there is no such thing as perfection. You cannot order all those things. You cannot control that water. You just have to let the water do the work. Now, if I were working with tempera paints or acrylics or oils, it would be another thing altogether. But with watercolors, you have to let the water do the work. And the effect that the water has on the pigment is that when they blend together the colors, each color is more distinct. That the water moves that pigment in ways that I would have never imagined, and the result is much more beautiful than if I had tried to control every stroke of that painting. The water does the work. I want to lift to you some scriptures that indicate that the water does the work. Water is an essential component to life and is acknowledged right away in the first pages of Genesis. It says, The earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep, while the Spirit of God swept over the face of the waters. At the end of the scriptures, Revelation, according to John, water's essence for life is mentioned once again. It says, let everyone who hears say, come. And let everyone who is thirsty, come. Let anyone who wishes to take the water of life as a gift the gift of new birth through water flows through the scripture. Listen, right at the beginning, when the waters come down, the heavens are opened, there is a flood, God then provides a covenant. Water becomes a purifying agent. Then, as the people of God are stuck in slavery, the waters part before them when Moses places his staff in that water. And water not only is a purifying agent, but water is the way to freedom. Not only does water purify and set free, but it also nourishes and gives life. You remember from Psalm 23, 
God, my shepherd, leads me beside quiet waters. In baptism, we go into and under the water, the creating waters, the purifying waters, the freeing waters, the quenching waters, the quiet waters, the baptismal waters. And in our passage of scripture this morning, we heard about Jesus going under those waters. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he came out of the water and the heavens opened up and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And then a voice said from heaven, this is my own dear son with whom I am pleased. Jesus was claimed from the beginning of time as God's son. And in his baptism, it was made publicly known. Evelyn and Nick were claimed even before they were born as God's very own children. And today, in the sacrament of baptism, they are publicly acknowledged as God's children. It has been that they are God's children. It is that they are God's children. It will be that they are God's children. And just because they're God's children doesn't mean they won't encounter tough stuff. And when they do, they can remember their baptism. It was Martin Luther's practice every day that he would take some water on his hand and he would place it on his forehead and he would say, Martin, you are a beloved child of God. Remember your baptism and be thankful. And it was in the remembering of the power of the water that he then was able to do his ministry. God was saying to him, Martin, let the water do the work. God is saying to us, church, let the water do the work. You're going to stumble. You're going to get hung up. You're going to sin. You're going to break the covenant. You're going to break the promises. You're going to hurt. You're going to hurt other people. But remember your baptism and be thankful because the water of baptism will continue to do the work in and through you. This is not just the comforting promise of the gospel alive in and through us. This is also the challenge of the gospel that is alive in and through us. Because this gift of water comes down like rain upon all God's children. This gift of water is available to all for drinking and bathing and splashing. And every time we encounter it, we need to remember that that water is doing its work in and through us. What that means is that we will indeed live into that baptismal call to resist the powers of injustice in this world so that all might know the love of Jesus Christ.
this is the promise that we receive today. That the water will indeed do work in and through us. And this is the challenge of the gospel that we receive today. That we are partners with God in God's baptismal work in this world. So my friends, let it be so among us. Amen? Amen. Kara, we thank you again for being with us this morning and bringing us that wonderful message. We'll close our service together with our final song, In Christ Alone.